Hello everyone and welcome to No Accounting for Tech, the podcast all about the technology powering the accountancy profession with me, Tom Herbert, technology editor for Accounting Web. This week we have a special session recorded as part of our Tech Pulse webinar series a couple of weeks ago entitled What is on Accountant's Software Shopping List This Spring? So looking at technologies that accountants are looking to bring into their firm to streamline operations, provide better client service, or a host of other things. Joining me was Aaron Patrick from Boffix and Dishant Desai from 3E's Accountants. I'll be back at the end with a bit more information. If you're keen to watch along live with our Tech Pulse webinars, you can search Accounting Web Live Tech Pulse on your search engine of choice and it should bring up all the information. Hope you enjoy the session. I'll be back at the end. As we celebrate the arrival of spring, we have two expert guests who are here to outline how tech shapes their accountancy practices and what they have planned for their software in future. So let's welcome the guests. Um, First of all, uh, we have Aaron Patrick, who is the director at Boffix. Hi, Aaron. Uh, Can you just tell me a little bit about um, yourself and your practice, please? Hi, Tom. Yeah, really excited for this podcast. I think it's becoming the perfect time for us. My name is Aaron Patrick. I'm head of accounts at Boffix, and Boffix itself is a digital first accounting practice, or at least that's what we tell everyone, um, which is actually looking to make some really big changes going forward. So from a software point of view, we're actually looking at completely changing some of our major aspects of it. So I'm really excited to kind of talk more about that. Um, and at the moment, scale is our number one priority. So we're going to kind of uh, give some in- insights into there. I'm also the QuickBooks chap on the internet. So I've got a couple of podcasts, a YouTube channel, and all sorts that people can follow me on if they want to. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, both uh, both QuickBooks Labs and Ask the Accountant are on my podcast stream. So, uh, yeah, do do check them out if either of those um, takes your interest. And uh, joining Aaron is uh, Dishant Desai, who is the Director of Operations at Threes Accountants. Uh, hi, Dishant. Uh, same hi, to you, hi, really. Um, uh, what Can you tell us a bit about yourself and, and about your practice, please? Yeah, thanks, Tom. Uh, thanks for the invitation and, uh, you know, welcome all. So I'm glad to be here uh, just to share my thoughts on uh, this webinar. Um, my name is Dishant. I'm from Threes Accountants. Uh, I'm the operations director uh, with Threes. Um, I've joined uh, Threes in uh, 2021, early January. Uh, so we are a four partners firm. Uh, we have uh, four offices, uh, one in Hero, one in Stock-on-Trend, one in Hitchin, and we have an office in India as well. Um, my journey with Threes has been very exciting because not only we have transformed in terms of the softwares and you know how we moved for, moved away from the desktop software to the cloud software, but also during during the last two years we acquired a couple of firms um, and we have also transitioned them out of uh, you know desktop software. So I'll be sharing this uh, in this webinar. Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you very much. A couple of quick housekeeping notes. Uh, if you are, um, this is this webinar will be available on demand. So if you um, have to pop out for any reason, you'll receive the link to watch it uh, shortly after the show has finished. And um, it is an interactive session. So if you have 
any questions for our guests on the issue of uh, uh, software, then do pop them in the Q&A box. That should be to the right, to the left, or, or below this video, depending on what browser you're using for this. So, uh, yeah. Lovely. Thank you very much. Let's let's get cracking with the meat of the session, as it were. So um, let's let's go first of all uh, to the title, really, of this um, of this show. Uh, let me start with you, Dishant. What is on your spring software shopping list? Yeah. Um, so Tom, we uh, you know at the moment we are actually transitioning uh, our bookkeeping software. So we were we are on zero, um, but have you probably have seen you know they've they've spiked up the price in the last uh, one year or so and two or three times. Uh, and we have a clients who are price sensitive, so we can not always pass on the increase in the software cost to our clients. Um, so we are trialing out with the KPM, uh, which is another bookkeeping software, and we are also looking at the QuickBooks. Other than that, uh, you know, we are into a practice management software, which is accountancy manager, um, and it works pretty well. Uh, but, you know, we, we started when we were only three or four users and currently we have around 40 users. So obviously the cost goes up as you scale up and we are looking for some solution where the cost, you know, remains fixed or at least increase uh, to the level that we can manage. Um, so we, what we are looking is, uh, you know, develop our own accountancy or uh, practice management software. Uh, we have, um, we've got a team of uh, software developer who are looking into it and, uh, we'll probably hopefully in the next three to six months, we'll have our own practice management software. Uh, other than that, uh, we are also looking to, uh, move away. The last piece of desktop software that we have is the payroll manager, um, which is the only software, uh, we have left uh, on the desktop. And, um, uh, we've trialed out a couple of softwares, uh, and the KPM is the one that we will probably go ahead with, uh, and it's a good time to move away because of the payroll year end. Uh, so these are the two or three things that we'll be doing in the next, uh, you know, three to six months. Uh, um, I mean, uh, long-term aspiration, we have uh, you know, a lot of things to implement, but uh, in the short term, this is what uh, in my shopping list. It's difficult, isn't it? There's there's yeah. definite sort of shiny thing syndrome that you get sometimes yeah. wanting to sort of, uh, yes. you know, adopt everything all at the same yeah. time. And uh, yeah, yeah I, I guess it's sort of, uh, having that systematic um, approach to sort of projects um, as yeah. as meaty as software migration, um, but yeah, lots of lots of interesting themes to pick up there, and um, you know, I'm sure we will. But uh, let's get over to you, Aaron, and uh, first of all, and find out what's on your uh, spring shopping list. Yeah, so at the moment, our name of the game, as I said before, was about giving us an opportunity to scalability. So kind of what we looked at or what we've been using in the past couple of years, what's going to work for us at scale, what isn't. Um, and really, we're focusing on two areas, pain points, which is always going to be there, you know, client communications and, and that sort of stuff is always going to be a pain point that every accountant is going to encounter at some point, and practice efficiency. And I think practice efficiency for us thankfully is where we, we've got strengths and that's where we will be able to really be able to just take what we've already got and just build on it. Um, but those pain points, especially with client communication is something that we need to really figure out in the next couple of, uh, next 12 months or so as Boffix transitions from just being one practice to potentially looking to acquire and everything else that we're going forward with. 
Um, and when I look at that kind of shopping list there, I feel like we've never been in a better position, you know, just, just having the, the opportunity for us to walk around, just say Accountex, for example, I think there was like 200 odd stalls or something at that point, yeah. there's even more this year. Um, when you think about the opportunity then to, you know, maybe talk to you know, even a handful of those in, in the two days, um, it can be really overwhelming and really kind of scary as to as to what's the best solution for you to go for um so i think it's our job as practice owners is to kind of look through that list like short cost short short list that those the potential owners and try and find which ones are going to help you supercharge your practice um i think on that topic there have been so many and so much out there my biggest um bit of advice i could ever give is the stay agile element of it when we first built Boffix, one of the things we did from point of call of practice efficiency was we looked at OCR technology. We looked at, at the, at the time it was receipt bank and auto entry. And we looked at all those, like which one's right for us, which is the right one for us to be able to put a flag in and say, that's the one we want to work forward with. And honestly, we found that especially back then when they weren't as feature rich or at least weren't feature parity, there was a lot that, you know, this solution could work, work right with this client and this solution could right, work with that client. So when we built our solutions from the beginning, we made sure that we owned where the client was going to send their bills into and their, their receipts into. And then that gave us an opportunity to triage that out. So we have bills at Boffix, which is a domain we own. That's where clients send information in. And then we just decide which is right for them and we, we, we push it through. And I think taking that mentality of, thinking of long-term, thinking of, you know, not just your your next six months, but much further afield is going to be the best way of when you come to look at your shopping list and trying to figure out what's right for you. Um, other things that kind of brought to mind when you were talking about shopping lists and when this kind of webinar came about was about the pandemic and how that really did affect, like you said, your opening speech there. And, you know, for us, that was when things like the cash flow tools became essential before they were just a nice to have and they were something that, we, we loved trying to sell and they were kind of an add-on solution that we were trying to push down every now and again. But with the pandemic, it became essential that every client had access to it at some point. Thankfully, at that point, QuickBooks opened up and gave us the opportunity to, to bring it in. But it was so, so important, wasn't it, that we had that? Is there, yeah, just, just to very quickly pick up on that one, that, that there was a, a big surge of interest in, in the cash flow forecasting tools, I guess partially because of the uncertainty, but also because of i think certain like like sea bills and things like that required sort of cash flow forecasts and things is is the interest still there in them do you think for us we've we've maintained the interest but that's only because we found it as a great opportunity to carry on having conversations with clients and add more value it was you know during the pandemic it was essential because like you said there for for, for the for the fact that they they needed that information there and then we needed to make those decisions but now clients have started to get used to that and they start to feel the benefit of it. Um, and that's made it so we've kind of looked at that as a, we must be able to provide that for our clients going forward one way or another. Hopefully mm. it can just be in the in the bookkeeping solution or FMS as it's, as it's now been termed. Um, yeah. um, but, but more importantly, we've got to find a way to make sure that that is available and, and that becomes part of our shopping list now is how do we keep those solutions that our clients have now started to come to expect from us and how do we make sure that they're available to us to our clients in mass brilliant uh let's go to the questions uh Dishan, we've had uh, a question about your move away from zero uh <laughs> yep. what, what is it about kpm 
that's drawn you in? You mentioned price. Yeah. Is it is it as simple as that, or is there yeah, more? Yeah, uh, and uh, there are two two things. One is um, you know what we've done is we segmented our clients. Um, so we have a like high uh, high value clients where they need all sort of systems, bells and whistles, reports, cash flow. So those clients we kept them on zero. They are not price sensitive. Uh, then there are clients who actually don't care what software we use. All they need is a you know report at the quarter end and at the year end. So they don't care and they don't care about the price increase of the software. They said you know you use whatever software you like. I need my reports. So those clients we are moving away from zero because it doesn't make sense to cut our margin. Um, you know uh, rather I would you know try and find something which is which produce the same result, uh, but it at least improve our margin. Uh, so that's 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 how we did the client segmentation first before we jumped onto KPM. Oh, that seems seems quite sensible. Is there an element as well, like in in this world of cloud, rather than um, the sort of desktop, where even if a company stopped supporting a system, you could you could kind of still use it. Um, yeah. even if you weren't sort of massively keen on paying for the latest upgrade or or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, um, Aaron, does it make sense to to sort of throw all your eggs in one basket um, when it comes to your, your main general ledger tool? Yeah, it's a really good question, this one. And, and I think if I was if I was looking at this a few years back, I used to have quite software envy because it used to be a case where I would just want the best product that you can possibly get in each category. And then I'll then be looking to see if they can connect to one another and hope for the best. Um, there's nothing worse than you going down one particular avenue, say it's your proposal software, for example, and then you realize that your competitor or one of the solutions you, you were looking at before had this brand new solution, this brand new shiny element, which completely changes the way that you feel you know, that you would deliver that service or at least go against that piece of solution. Um, so it used to be my my thing was like let's find each and every solution, but now I'm you know I, I think we said this before on a previous podcast didn't we on, on regarding QuickBooks but it's never been a better time for new practices to start up because what's happening is a lot of those solutions now have this whole ecosystem already built in you know you like to Sage now QuickBooks are catching up with their recent enhancements announcements and then you've got like the Bright Group as well coming into the picture. And what it does there is those real deep integrations for me is where the secret source is coming from. The idea that you set up a client, you send a proposal out. Once they've accepted that proposal, well, it's already provisioning their bookkeeping solution and it's setting up their accounts production software. It's putting all of those elements in that used to be manual pieces of, of elements that you would have to manually put around. Now it's all under one roof. And I think that to me is where, where I, 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 definitely see the value going forward i'm looking at more of that tighter integration that opportunity for our software providers to talk to one another you know for me one of you know, back to that previous point at the shopping list like when i kind of looking at opportunities the first place i'll always do is go down their integration page of whatever software i'm already using and i use that as almost like that that center point of what it is that i'm looking for and go through the solutions that are there and pick out what's right Go, Go Proposal was a solution I had actually uh, stopped using way, way back. Um, but because they became a partner with Council Manager, which is a 
practice management solution we use, well, suddenly it opened that door up again. And suddenly that was another avenue to go back to. What was I missing? Why Why have county manager decided that that's a good solution and going through from there? Um, and it's points like that, to me, that make crucial buying decisions. And it's those integrations at work. Saying that, though, when you do have those integrations of two different software talking to one another and they're not under the same umbrella, well, sometimes you can either have a lot of work to get them connected in the first place or they could just fail on you from time to time because of API problems and everything else that goes with it. So actually, why we are kind of going more into that ecosystem mode and trying to, as much as possible, stay in an ecosystem, even if we're maybe missing out on a feature here or there, we know overall it's more efficient for us and it should be a better chance for us to be able to, you know, get the most out of it. So yeah, we've kind of shifted our our pattern a little bit at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go back to the questions board then. And uh, Kevin Reed, uh, hi Kevin, um, asks, um, how do you gauge and measure what's working and what's not? Uh, can I beam this one across to you, Dishan? Yeah, I mean, see, um, when I choose any software uh, you know first thing is obviously you trial them out uh, but before that i have a list of things that i need from a software you know there are, there may be 10 things that i need and if it if it's hitting eight boxes out of 10 it's good to go you know it's good to try out uh, then it's about integration does it integrate with my existing system um, you know how well uh, is it going to improve my efficiency my team's efficiency and is it going to improve the communication with my client so those sort of you know five or six things we we you know I personally look into it before I you know trial them out. Once I start trialing them out, I at least invite two or three members from my team to at least you know try try it out because it's not about me. You know it's about them working, and um, you know they 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 will have to use it day day on day. So these two or three things, the checklist that I have uh, is is where I decide you know whether I want to jump onto it or not. Um, you know when we we were not using any practice management software everything was on excel uh, we tried three or four software and the the reason why we chose accountancy manager was you know the simplicity of the software at that time it was way back i think three, three two two and a half years back the simplicity of the software and it was hit you know uh, there were 10 items that i wanted from my software the automation part the um, uh, the workflow management and all those things and it was there uh, in terms of uh, those functionalities and that's why we chose that software uh, obviously you will not be correct all the time when you choose the software but at least you should have in your mind you know what 10 things that you want for in any piece of software and if it's doing eight eight out of ten it's good to go for a trial and do you continually monitor you know do you, do you have yeah. a sort of list in your head of all, yeah. all, all the different subscriptions that you have and and, yes. and sort of how the yeah okay yeah i mean yeah. see uh, i also continuously share a feedback because if i'm investing my time into accountancy manager let's say any software i also invest my time asking them to improve their software improve some functionalities add this feature or add that feature uh, I, I probably sent 50 emails to accountancy manager to add the number of features, the integration. Uh, so earlier, you know, as uh, Aaron said, they didn't have a Go proposal integration. Then later on, they added that. Um, so somebody must have requested it. So those sort of things, uh, you know, are continuously. It's not about just buying in software and keeping it for our team. You know, you have to invest your time to understand, ch- check all the new features because you never know which new feature is now going to 
change your processes completely so that's that's what i continuously do fantastic thanks for that insight dishan that's great um so I, i'm going to move on to the next part of the podcast i've, I've got on my sort of a4 plan here i've, I've called it sort of digit, digitizing workflow digitizing work papers the, the the idea for this really came from a post that i popped up on the forum just before christmas like after making tax digital for it was delayed and i was quite interested to see how that impacted because previously i guess everyone's bandwidth was taken up with how they were going to get clients across to sort of digital record keeping digital filing everything like this and it was fascinating the response on the forum it, it it was kind of the the thousand flowers blooming that it's like oh i know i can i can think about digital work papers i can think about um comms tools i can think about like, what what related to their specific practice rather than hitting that regulatory mark that the government had had mandated so um yeah uh that's a, a very long-winded um preamble to my question aaron but uh can i can i ask you a sort of two-part one um how digital is your setup and are there areas that you could digitize more yeah so i think for me i've been really lucky because i was able to build boffix from the ground up so i was able to make sure digital first from day one um and having the opportunity to make sure that we were as, as digital as efficient we could ever be when i think um, a bit of a personal plug here, but we're um, we're doing some uh, work on the training side for QuickBooks. And one of the ones we're really proud of is we, we're bringing in this um, this webinar series where we're actually taking one of the members of the training team who wouldn't use any of the digitalization tools within QuickBooks, so the working papers and all the aspects within there, because they had their own Excel spreadsheet that they were so proud of, and that you know this was their their solution they've had for years and it's never failed them yet. But it was giving us an opportunity to go right. Okay, you love your Excel spreadsheet, but what if we could almost mimic that within work papers? What what could we do if we kind of built an almost a hybrid version of it using what you know and what you're what you're used to and trying to replicate it in a digital format? Because um, even though Excel is still digital, there's still better opportunities out there you know the efficiencies are so much more if you're using the right tools and and for me that was kind of the biggest eye-opener you know um I, I i generally can can have a situation where a 10-hour job can now take five hours because we're using the right digital tools because we're utilizing the opportunity not having to replicate data all the time and making sure the data is always up to date because it's on a separate solution. If it's all running through the same solution, like the work papers, tools, and QuickBooks, then we get so much efficiencies. We've even gone as far now that every client, even the ones that run it on other FMS solutions um, on Xero or Sage or anything else, we will just bring them into QuickBooks so it's all consistent. We have the opportunity then to always have the same solution. We use KPM as well, so then we can push it to KPM. But then we've got that whole holistic view. And for us, you know, we're really proud of what we've been able to achieve there of having that consistent, that look, that opportunity to be able to keep building on it. And I know, like, like you said there about compliance and everything else. Well, you know, it was one of those where at first we probably weren't hitting the market at every point straight away, if we're completely honest. But as we've developed it further and we've been able to put more elements into it and bring our own flair into it, then we're ensuring that we're 
a you know getting that compliance exactly where we need it to be but b we're now far more efficient than we ever have um and i think it's really important that people do that and, and go through the pain and go through that um going forward and and my kind of biggest learning from all that is going through that pain going through the opportunities of having to completely change everything you've done actually helps you when it comes to advising your clients because you can relate to them and you can go right you know we've seen there may be an op- opportunity here to to improve your workflow or improve your solution by bringing in this app or you know taking on this solution going forward but if you've not gone through it yourself and gone through the pain that you're going to go through in your practice it's difficult for you to advise and have those conversations with clients but because we've done that we've gone through we've ripped the band-aid off and all those sort of elements to it we're able then to help clients and understand clients pain points more when we're advising them and going down that business advisor or system advisory route. Brilliant. Thank you, Aaron. Dishant, you, you've mentioned about the journey from spreadsheets about uh, the, the, the desktop software that, that some of the firms you've acquired have been on. Yeah. Um, so I guess your your journey to, to digitalize it, uh, uh, take yeah. my teeth out and start again, your journey to digital <laughs> has been slightly different to Aaron's, I guess. Yes, yes, it's it's pretty different. So when I joined uh, Threes, uh, you know, we were using uh, VT. Uh, it's an Excel-based software. Uh, it's pretty good. I mean, we're still keeping VT uh, for some client for some reason. And uh, we were having all our client data in Excel. And there were some clients on QuickBooks. Um, and obviously, these software doesn't talk to each other. So, you know, you'll always have a data in Excel, then you have data in VT, and then you have data in QuickBooks. Uh, so we are managing, you know, clients workflow on Excel and we needed an immediate change uh, because the MTD itself was announced at that time. And um, and we also have our clients data, you know, the actual files uh, and PDF files and Excel on, on a physical server. So we had a physical server in our office. So within a few months uh, after I joined, you know, we started our cloud journey. Uh, we, so I discussed with the other partners and, uh, you know, we prepared our tech stack based on the different functions of the practice. You know, you have your um, sales, purchase, you have a uh, data. So we have decided that function and what softwares we are going to use. That's that's how we built our tech stack. Uh, so the first piece of the software was the SharePoint. You know, we want all our uh, data on cloud and SharePoint was the best solution because we are on Office 365. So just to keep everything on cloud. Uh, so we are now, you know, 100% on a cloud. I mean, the last piece of payroll manager we are going to get away with and we'll implement the cloud payroll software as well. So it took us good six to eight months to come out of these desktop software and completely transformed into a digital digital practice. Uh, but it has improved our uh, efficiency. There was a zero downtime now because earlier when we had a physical server, you have, you know, some something happens, you have to restart the server and things like that. That doesn't happen now. Um, and the integration part, which was the big, uh, uh, big takeaway from that, because now we have a software which talks to each other. So we have one central piece of software where we enter our client's data and then you know, it flow, the data flows from one software to another software. So if you make change in any software, there is a two-way thing. So our client data is always up to date across all the software. Um, so our investment was, you know, purely to improve the efficiency and, you know, streamline our workflow and uh, improve our KPIs. So earlier, you know, most of the firms <clears throat> till date, I mean, I've seen a lot of firms, they were managing the deadlines, which means, you know, you look at the deadline and plan your work. Um, 
but what we are doing is we are managing KPIs. So we have our internal KPI, which is you know you finish the year and uh, finish the year and within three months after the period ends. So that sort of KPIs that we have. So we try to manage those KPIs. What it did was it gave us the opportunity to uh, and not only serve client efficiently but also improved or increase the room to add more clients uh, so we don't have sort of like a busy january and december months we are well managed um, within our self-assessment um, you know during september to december time uh, so we can take on more clients during january uh, it also improved our you know customer experience and uh, you know we've added a lot of clients in that uh, but out of all this we created a template that how we can transform any practice and we implemented those template and when we did acquisition in the last two years so we acquired two firms in the last two years and we implemented that template with uh, these two firms and it worked pretty well because they were on completely different system and all we did was you know use this system these are the checklist this is the software we are going to use this is how we are trans transitioning from let's say quickbooks to zero or quickbooks to whatever or vice versa so that's that's the template that we've used um and uh, we are still looking to acquire more practices and now that we have a template we are pretty confident uh, of transforming any firm yeah brilliant thank you uh aaron i mentioned a little bit there about the delay to making tax digital for income tax self-assessment um a lot of a lot of the arguments around sort of um digitization was uh, to meet this sort of compliance requirement, as it were, or at least that was the messaging that I think a lot of the profession were getting. Now it's been delayed. Um, is, is the efficiency argument, you know, without that big stick um, sort of looming over the profession, is, is the sort of carrot of efficiency um, more compelling or, or as compelling? Yeah, so we're trying to make sure that our clients aren't just going to more digital solutions because of MTD. What we're trying to make sure is that they're going for the right reasons and that they are seeing the benefits of it. Um, you know, as we've already mentioned, like people moving away from say zero to KPM, you know, bookkeeping, it's probably because they weren't using all the features or anything else. And we're trying our best we can to find opportunities to show them that there are benefits from using the software that it's not just price sensitivity. There can be opportunities to, that they can help build their business up. And it doesn't work for every single client, but we're trying to make sure that MTD is not the carrot on the stick. That's the only reason they're going to go for it. Um, and it, it is difficult. It, it's tricky. You know, a lot of, there are some clients out there who feel forced and they feel like they're being pushed into this rabbit hole and they've been, you know, gone down as a, uh, you know, it was working for them X amount of times before. Why, why do they need to change it now? Um, so, we, yeah, we're trying to work with it. We're trying to get the communication right. And I think that's the key element, in, especially for our clients, is just finding ways to communicate better with them in terms of, well, this is why you should move on to this piece of software because it's going to do this for you. It already integrates with your EPOS solution, already integrates with your e-commerce solution. It's, we're trying to find those avenues as to why you should move to a digital solution as opposed to, well, there's MTD down the road, so you best move to something. And we're trying to work with them that way. So, yeah, it's, I'd say like 70% is working absolutely perfectly that way, but there's still 30% of our client base that we've got to find a, a better carrot on the stick for than just MTD. Yeah. 
Yeah, fair enough. I'm delighted you mentioned uh, communication there, Aaron, because that takes me smoothly onto my next section now. So uh, in terms of hybrid working, internal and, and external um, communication, obviously COVID had a, a huge impact in, in sort of changing the way that not just accountancy practices, but businesses worked together um, across the world. So, uh, yeah. Um, Dishank, can I ask what your setup is for hybrid working and uh, uh, how how this sort of changed during the pandemic and, uh, you know, how, how effective you feel it is? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, we have uh, had a hybrid working even before COVID. So it was nothing like we were completely, uh, I mean, we have an office in India as well. So we have a staff in India who works even in india they work from home so uh, we have a hybrid policy even before covid but covid just gave us the opportunity to test it uh, you know how how effective we are because there that during covid it was like a hundred percent uh you know remote working uh so we had an issue with the server we had an issue with the desktop system because we were taking the desktop system with us um but within six months uh you know we we implemented the changes that i mentioned earlier um, everybody got a laptop everybody is um, we, we make sure that they are equipped with the proper technology at home as well as in the office and it's a smooth transition if wherever they want to work uh, and that's that's what we started looking in um, at that time and it's important uh, you know for collaboration and you know continue our company culture that you have at least some days in the office so we make sure that at least twice in a week you know we get together in the office both in uk and india and we also have a team's calls across both the offices, uh, you know, in UK as well as in India. Uh, so there is a constant communication happens within the team. Uh, although, you know, it gives the team flexibility, I feel uh, you still need to have some office presence uh, because that that will help you scale very quickly because, you know, you have to pass it on the company culture to the new uh, team members. And uh, because we acquired those from, we had a staff coming in with a completely different culture um and completely different processes so to so the constant communication was required at that time as well um and i think the microsoft teams have, have done a lot in the last two years and that's our main tool to communicate internally externally obviously we call um we have a calls with our clients and there are clients who likes to come into our office and discuss their accounts need them advice um but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still exploring certain areas of, you know, how do I improve the communication with the clients, especially to get to get the information and things like that. I mean, uh, rest of the things we can easily call them and find out, but to get the information, um, some clients, you know, like WhatsApp a lot. I mean, I've seen WhatsApp use has gone up uh, in the last uh, one year or so. Uh, we exchanged a lot of uh, documents even on WhatsApp, but I know WhatsApp, WhatsApp is not <coughs> secured in that sense. So I'll be looking at that, but right now the three priority I have is the payroll, practice management software, and you know transitioning out from zero. Brilliant, thank you, Dushant. Fascinating. So, Aaron, uh, how do how do you communicate, or, or how does how does how does your firm, should I say, communicate with uh, both both colleagues and and with clients? Yeah, I mean we we've changed our whole aspect of communication. Um, and we did this pre-pandemic and 
throughout the pandemic that was so important to us. So we use a solution called HubSpot, which kind of changes communication from, you know, use standard emails or calls or whatever they're going to do, and they get transferred into a ticket, essentially. And you think to kind of like your IT professions and how they would do service desks and it'll all be ticket-based. Well, we've kind of adapted that same approach. And it's worked so much more effectively for us because when it comes to communication, we know that it doesn't matter how a client contacts us, either telephone or email or if they come into the practice, whatever it's going to be, then they will effectively, that query will be turned into a ticket. And then it's how we deal with that ticket and how we communicate with it. So we're able to kind of automatically have within that ticket solution the ability for them to book appointments with us through Calendly is kind of what everyone knows of it, but bookings through Teams is the same same solution. Yep. Um, and that whole idea of, of we're kind of pushing it more to the emphasis that, okay, clients come in, they, they communicate with, they have a problem. Now we have this physical ticket that we can pass around to the right department, to the right person. We can use technology to automate the replies. We can get out an email to them to say that, okay, yep, we, we really need you to book an appointment with this team to be able to go through this, but here's their booking calendar. And we can have automation to make it so much easier. Um, I am envy of the, you know, Timworks client uh, practices and, and ones like that, because I think that's a really interesting aspect to it, where they're, they're bringing in much more of a kind of WhatsApp, as, as Deschamps was saying there, but put on a more secure and a more um, streamlined solution. But my, my, my worry or my element where I always have my hat on is the fact that what, what's that impact to my client? You know, how are they going to be affected by it? And I just feel at the moment it's really difficult to implement something like that without having a major disruption to how our client works. So we are like constantly looking at new ways to communicate with clients and, and trying to improve that. We do have the odd WhatsApp communication with the odd client, which isn't great, but it's there because it's good for them. But again, any form of communication, any form of way, it goes straight into the HubSpot to create a ticket. So at least then we have consistency there and, and we can deal with it. Um, our other biggest tip when it comes to communication as well is power of things like YouTube, streams, podcasts like this, like having the ability, and we found this during the pandemic, like having the opportunity to talk to wider people and get that information out there as soon as possible is invaluable. So we did invest a lot of time and resources and, and equipment in making sure that we can do YouTube and we can do video recording and we can do all that sort of stuff much quicker and much simpler. <laughs> Final bit of like, and this is a bit of a um, peep behind the curtains of what we're looking at next, but you'll see just around right here, we're looking at VR at the moment. Like, is there a room for VR? Is that an opportunity? It seems gimmicky at the moment, but is there a potential we could have communication with clients in VR later? And that's what we're, we're investigating at this point in time. And we'll see what happens. There's a couple of videos and stuff coming soon on that. Oh my god! Oh, great! I look forward to that. Just don the headset and uh, wander into the virtual Boffix office. Oh, that sounds uh, that sounds great. I I've definitely seen there's been a, a sort of mini spike in terms of sort of specialist apps like Quill, Timworks, uh, Lysio over in the states that are looking to provide these um, more secure communication apps. Um, I, I guess. Yeah, with I mentioned in my intro about the incursion of 
consumer grade technology in and i guess you'd need to make sure that these these types of things like like i guess it's it's the sort of next next step on from portals is oh, why don't you log into the portal and the client would never log to the portal would they so you know it is trying to to sort of uh make make sure that it, it works for everyone and and works for your clients i guess so yeah an, an interesting time um in that sense um Great. So moving on to the final section now, my uh, what I've um, imaginatively called any other business. Um, Dishant, you mentioned uh, payroll there. Um, yep. So I think definitely interesting cloud payroll tools has been increasing. Um, I guess a fair amount of that is down to the constant sort of regulation. I, I don't say tinkering, but perhaps changes. Is, is better because it, it was kind of essential that that happened during covid um we've seen bright pay launch uh, a cloud product recently oh, yeah. Yeah. quickbooks are adopting a, a sort of payroll bureau, bureau um tool as well um is this the year that you see sort of cloud payroll going mainstream and 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 what's your uh what are you looking for for your <clears throat> firm uh See, um, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, uh, we are moving away from the payroll manager, which is a desktop-based system, to um, KPM right now. I, I did trial um, KeyPay, FreshPay. Um, I haven't seen BrightPay cloud cloud version. Uh, I think they are coming out in the next couple of days, so I'll trial trial them out as well and see, uh, you know, how good they are. I mean, as far as their webinar is concerned, they mentioned it's the same software just on the cloud. A uh, few features missing, but they'll be implementing in the next six months. That's what I heard. Uh, but what I see is, you know, uh, again, uh, not only payroll software, but there are a lot of other things which will happen in the accounting industry in the next one or two years. Uh, you will have a four major, three or four major players with the complete ecosystem, the 360 degree of managing the practice. You have a QuickBooks that came up with uh, the payroll, the practice management, uh, the year-end account stuff. Zero already has a tax bookkeeping. They have a zero practice manager. They'll probably come up with something else to complete their 360 degree. Bright Group is doing the same thing. And then you'll probably have you know cheaper software like KPM, um, you know, serving the small firms. So you have these three or four major uh, you know, provider who will look into this and you will have to add up one of the ecosystem. And then once you are in the, it's like Apple and Android. You know, once you are in the ecosystem, you have the apps around it, and then you are used to it. Um, it's good uh, for a practice because you have the entire solution, but at the same time, you are stuck with them. And then any price increase, you will have to add up because it's very difficult to change out of from one ecosystem to another system. So I always have a, uh, not just for the payroll, but for any new implementation, we have an implementation team as well, uh, which I subcontract. Um, and they test all our softwares, anything like that. They help us move away from one software to another software. So it's good to have, you know, this sort of implementation team. Um, and that's that's probably the trend that's going to happen in the next one or two years. That's what I see. Brilliant, Aaron. Anything to add on that? Yeah, I think I think definitely with the whole payroll. Um, just kind of talking about payroll itself. I think it's an interesting time for what's about to happen. Um, especially like Deshan just mentioned there about that 360 degree. When you think about what 
they could do for us as accountants. It's, it's getting rid of those pain points again. You know, I, I, I was privileged enough to kind of look at what the roadmap looks like for, for the Bright Payer and, and the Bright Group. And their whole idea is because they own all of it and they can have everything talking is that, well, if you're going to be increasing your payroll on one solution, then really that should reflect in the next invoice that goes out. You know, if you've gone from two employees to three, we should be showing that on the invoice. And then if you have that 360 degree, then there's automation there. And you, you, you know, you're, you're automating the whole invoice in the aspect of it. And that obviously sounds absolutely brilliant. As Deshaun said, though, you then have to be in that ecosystem to make that work. And one thing I've definitely seen with the payroll solution at the moment is we're more disjointed and, and kind of split than we've ever been before. You know, now payroll is very much a case of, well, if you just want direct to payroll, in, in our case, we, we, we'll throw them on KPM. But if you want a much more complicated payroll and you want to have the ability for the clients to maybe um, self-service and get the opportunity to be able to send them out so they can complete items themselves and get employees boarded themselves and maybe even want more HR functionality, which is a big next step I see in the, in the payroll in payroll sector, then then they need to have a more complicated piece of software, which is going to be your Bright Pay, your QuickBooks, Advanced Payroll, Bureau, those sort of solutions. And when you look at the news as well, Key Pay has just changed to, uh, is it Employment Hero, I think they call it now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can see that's more HR-based by the sounds of it. Um, Bright, Bright Pay and has got now their HR, bright HR right, element to it. Sage has done the same. Like it, the natural progression is it's not just payroll solution that we've kind of used to as a bureau solution where we're just trying to as nicely as possible churn out the payroll to the best of our abilities. Now it's, well, what else can we add to it? How can we help the client? And what else can we bring in there? And I think that's the exciting bit for the next stage because we're going to have much more of a, an offering as an accountant go from there and the, and the, the final bit I'd, I'd like to say on, on accounts is or payroll is that we're seeing a lot more of the third parties trying to help us in terms of making those payments as well like you, you people like Cresco are coming along yes. and saying look we have a great integration tool between payroll and, 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 and there you can actually offer the opportunity to make or at least help your clients make those pay, pay payments not just the pay slip gets sent to them and they have to make the payments themselves but let's have that integration of where good piece of software can come in and and have that approval solution so that you can send over what their pay run's going to be and the client just has to click i accept i approve and it goes through and makes the payment and i think that to me is where the shift's going now and it is going to be very much um you know practices like ours are going to have to have multiple payroll solutions to try and figure out what's right for their client you know and, and try and work with there so yeah whereas before it used to just you just have one payroll solution and forget about it Great. Um, now, I've, I've left this bit purposely to the end because, uh, you know, the, there's so much to say on it and there's not a great deal of, uh, you know, that, that, that that's actually a lie. There, there, there's plenty going on in the in the space around artificial intelligence, chat GPT, um, should I say AGI perhaps is the uh, the phrase du jour, isn't it? Um, Dishant, with this, this, this new artificial intelligence boom uh, they the recent um open ai demo 
with uh, Greg Brockman, the president. He did his his Steve Jobs moment, you know, the the one more thing where he ingested the US tax code and did someone's tax calculation for them. I mean, it's it's hard not to see that as rolling his tanks yeah, yeah. onto accountancy's lawn there, but you know, <laughs> um, is it is it potentially a, a sort of genuine revolution for the accountancy profession? Is it sort of marketing hype? Is there is is there a sort of middle way? Well, what's your view? Yeah, uh, you know, other than that uh, presentation, you know, I've not personally seen any use case of AI in taxation, right? Um, but I've seen demo of uh, AI in Excel, uh, which is nothing but making the Excel formula smarter. Um, we are still early, you know, as far as the use of AI is concerned in the accounting side of things. That's what I feel. Um, I know I know it's making a huge impact right now in sort of designing marketing communication and but our clients you know they may go to chat GPT and you know ask for a text question uh, or a text advice and they will get an answer but I'm sure they'll not rely on them uh, because it's it's missing a human touch uh, you know client will not be able to blame AI if they get a wrong advice so they always need an accountant to blame uh, so they will go to accountant for that um but if you think from the client life cycle uh, you know getting getting a prospect lead uh, onboarding client journey and workflow um where will you fit the ai in that uh, you know if it can give you some insight about the industry and the trends um but if you are going to take a decision on that that's always going to be a subjective because uh, you know how will you rely on something which um, you know which, which may have a lot of data behind it but still you'll you know like to have a second opinion like you know we used to go to a second doctor um so i don't think so uh it's it's there yet but yes it's fascinating to you know see how quickly these ai tools uh, you know came in the market but i think it's still a long way to go in terms of the accounting side of things um so that's what i feel mm. Mm. So, Aaron, um, I'd be interested to get your thoughts. Are we going to see sort of Boffix as uh, as a sort of you know the singularity to arrive and and Boffix to be sort of accounting bot uh, accounting bot twenty fifty or uh, yeah? What what are your thoughts? I mean, that's certainly the dream. I, I generally <laughs> see this as completely revolutionary. Um, I think what interests me the most about this and just kind of looking afar at other solutions is how ChatGPT has actually made piece of technology that was almost dead now relevant again so i'm talking about bing itself like no one would ever bing before like it was <laughs> you just google it wouldn't you? you wouldn't why would you want to use anything else but with this added technology and this added feature now suddenly it's back on the on the radar again and i think that's an opportunity for account software out there like if they can be first to market they can get the opportunity to to bring this data in i think that's a great way of getting traction onto onto whatever solutions it's going to be um, you know, you mentioned there about the new Copilot, like which is the Microsoft integration into Excel and PowerPoint and everything else. For me, the the benefit there is, you know, you said there about the Excel side of things. You know, it's a clever formula, and it definitely is. That some of the stuff that they were showing on that showcase is better than some of my staff could do, which is scary. Uh, but what I really see the power of this is about unlocking the potential of the software. So one of my favorite bits about the demo was the fact they were saying that from a PowerPoint point of view, most of us probably only use 10% of the features in there. And I'm definitely, you know, I'm definitely one of those that only uses 10%. But actually, if I had a piece of tool that lets me unlock the other 90% and lets me, you know, experience that 90%, then that suddenly becomes interesting. And again, 
with all the conversations we've been having, you know, county manager can sometimes get a little bit of a bad rep because people are only using a very small aspect of it. If we can use AI and technology to enhance that and bring those other features in, then I think we're onto a real big winner. Um, and 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 when you think about, you know, the recent uh, QuickBooks Connect, Joe Lorne was on on the stage and she mentioned ChatGPT was wrote her first bit and. And, and the whole point I think now is humanizing. And that's what she was trying to talk about is humanizing the numbers, making sure that basically the AI side of things just gives us a great tool so that then we can take that tool and then do better with our clients. And I think we're already seeing that. Like if you look at QuickBooks as a great example, you look at the VAT error checker, that's all AI driven. That's looking at ways in which errors have already been made and what to do with them and how to fix them. Well, if we take that and, and bring that to the next level and let that AI look at the rest of QuickBooks and the rest of your solutions, then suddenly we've got opportunities to spot these errors before they happen and have an opportunity to, to bring them in. Um, and I think that's where, to me, that's what gets me excited. Um, I think that's where we've got an opportunity to really see AI coming in. And and we, we spoke off air, didn't we, about the fact that there's already kind of they were trialing it a while ago and they were trying to make these chatbots that tried to help and tried to do things. But I don't think they had the backbone and the technology behind it before. Now, though, I think it's endless of what they could do if they get it right. So, yeah, I'm really excited for the future. Fantastic. Well, uh, yeah, I'm afraid we're, we're coming um, we're coming towards the end of the session. Um, Dishant, final, final point um, from you, uh, just just to sort of wrap things up really um when when it comes to sort of uh you, you've talked a little bit about what you look at when you are picking software are there any sort of particular tips um that you can give us uh in in terms of sort of what once you've once you pick the software integrating that and you know get a, allowing for a sort of smooth landing particularly i guess with staff from firms that you've acquired and where there, there may well be a little bit of pushback shall we shall we say yeah um yeah. yeah so you know when i start looking for any software you know first thing how it's going to affect my team and the clients right these are the two most important people uh for any firm uh what changes my team or client have to make you know second thing is how well it is going to integrate with my existing software so these are the two factors I keep in mind when you know choosing the software and you know any firm if they keep those two things in in center before choosing any software then they'll never fail uh, in terms of choosing the right software for them. Uh, as I said, you know you have these three or four ecosystem coming up, so you'll have to decide you know which ecosystem you have to adopt and then fully integrate your uh, software into that because you can't buy a single piece of software. Let's say you buy a tech scale and you buy accountancy manager, you buy, then there is an overlap between the system because you have a tech scale which has a practice management, you have accountancy manager which itself is a practice management, then why do you need uh, overlapping software? So you also have to keep that in mind that you are not buying something which you already have in some other software, so rather just use that. It may be not as well as the other one, but uh, you know, you're coming out of the ecosystem, you're creating one more bridge between two softwares. So these are the things that I, I, I keep in mind. Um, uh, the other thing other thing is the customer service of any you know software provider. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge believer if you have a very good customer service, then you know your software will 
will work um you know i i always um, keep accountancy managers customer service at top because as soon as you raise a ticket you know you get an instant reply instant reply and that's what i love about them because yeah there are bugs in the software it's okay but at least you know i get a response i get a a time frame that when they are going to solve it i get a constant update from them that yes we are working on that so that's what i love about them because you know their customer service is a top notch so these are the three few things that i keep in mind when i choose a software brilliant aaron any any last uh, uh, implementation tips for us yeah so my, again i think we're a little bit different um we always want to be on the forefront and i don't think that's right for every practice out there um but if you are looking to try and implement the latest and greatest of all time then just as the champ was saying that like one of the biggest tips i'd say is get on those beaters sooner rather than later um one of the things that that is so good when you're on the betas and you're, you're kind of seeing the the pre-release software is that you get an opportunity to give an insight of what's gone right and what's gone wrong um you know i i was really privileged to be able to see what the quickbooks um corporation accounts production software looked like before it got launched um, and thankfully we were able to completely change the way that it was done because originally it, i don't think it would have felt right it would have missed the mark um, but having that opportunity to have that chat and have that talk gives you that chance to be able to implement how that needs to be and i, I think that's really important um to do that now it won't work for every practice it is a very time consuming aspect to it but you know if you want to be at the forefront and you want to be there then then that's what you've got to do and i think the other thing i would always say is just that training side of things like we you know from a quickbooks point of view as a, as one of the trainers we pride ourselves on on the training that we provide and the more training you can give to your staff and the more training that you can take on the better their overall experience is going to be and they're going to unlock more of that software and find more of the features that they're going to do that they could use and i think that then starts to breed more innovations within the firm and they start unlocking new items and the, and and for us again if we're looking back at that whole idea of trying to be more business advisory system advisory going forward the more you've had your your staff involved in those changes and involved in that training the better they're going to be equipped to be able to help clients going forward so it's kind of one of those chicken and egg you've got to keep that training cycle keep going keep going but every time you do it you're going to make yourself more attractive to the client anyway and more sticky so yeah i, I feel that works really well I'm afraid that's all we've got time for for this No Accounting for Tech podcast. Thank you to Aaron and to Dishant for their time and expertise. We'll be back with a No Accounting for Taste podcast next week. But until then, for all your news from the world of accounting, we're accountingweb.co.uk. Bye for now.